Hi, my name is Cheryl Spangler and welcome to The Good Side of Real Estate. And today we're going to dive into a very interesting topic called security entitlement. Security entitlement is basically a concept that replaced the ability for you to actually own any asset or your property. Well, let me just, let me go back a minute. For more than 400 years since the beginning of what you can remember, tradable financial instruments like the deed to your home or uh, the ownership of your car, the paperwork that provides title to the ownership of your car, was recognized under law everywhere as personal property. That's probably why it was called security. It gave you the security that you owned the property. And I don't know if people realize right now, but this is no longer the case. There are now no property rights to securities held in any book entry form, which is some illegal form, in any jurisdiction globally. It's a contractual claim assuring that if an account provider becomes insolvent, they can claim the property that you thought you owned outright. And I'm going to give you two examples to try to understand this. One, one analogy is, a, is going to use the auto dealership industry. Let's say you go to a local dealership. Let's say you want to buy a used car. I don't care, a new car. You want to buy the car and you're going to buy it in cash. Ownership, your ownership expectation is that you're gonna buy this car in cash and that you're gonna own the car and you're gonna own the title and you're gonna get this title in physical paper form. It's gonna be registered with the county and no one can take this car away from you because you own it. But really the dealership owns it even if you paid cash, meaning that someone else secretly controls it as collateral and that someone else they have the power to take it immediately. Now, in this example, we're talking about your car. Even though you paid cash from the dealership, drove away, no longer theirs. They have the power to take it immediately and without judicial review, okay? Without any court, without anyone approving, they have the right to take it in the event of insolvency. Not your insolvency, but the insolvency of the people who secretly gave them your property as collateral. Okay, meaning... You drive in, you buy a used car, new car, in cash, you drive away, you get the paper title in the mail. In the mail. That used car dealership had to purchase that car using a bigger finance company. In this example, the bigger finance company, let's say, is Alley Financial. If you're not aware of the top seven auto lenders, big auto lenders. These are the lenders that lend money to dealerships who then buy cars, who then sell cars to you. Top seven auto lenders in the world. Right now, Chase number one, Alley Financial number two, Capital One Financial number three, then Wells Fargo, GM Financial, Centander, Consumer, and then Ford Credit. Those are technically at this time, probably they've changing, that's between 2019 and 21. They've literally changed because literally in 2023, Alley Financial just announced they're no longer going to finance auto loans to these local dealerships, large, medium, and small. So back to the story, Alley Financial lends 
millions of dollars of credit to dealerships who then go and buy cars and then they sell those cars to you and you buy it in cash and you walk away, you have the title, you think you own it. But in this example, really Alley Financial has this legal entitlement concept, legal concept, legal right, that's a contract that says that they own the underlying security, which is anything that was purchased or sold with the money they gave the dealership, that they own that property, even though you paid cash. And if that higher level, Alley Financial in this example, goes insolvent and goes bankrupt, they will take all of the assets, i.e. securities, the underlying assets, that that money that they lent out purchased. So your car, sold to you by the dealership, but secretly owned by the finance company that allowed that dealership to purchase it. In this example, Alley Financial, I'm not calling this company out. I'm just using them as an example because they just happened to announce that they're no longer doing auto loans because they're probably going insolvent shortly. Now this especially applies in this example to a car that you're financing. Now I'm not talking about your car. Don't worry, no one's taking your car, although that is an asset that could be easily swiped out. Have you ever heard that everyone by 2030 will be renting a car? No one by 2030 will own a car. Have you ever heard that? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just informing you about what this means. And I'm going to do another podcast about my thoughts on what to do. My thoughts on what options we have. I mean... I promote buying homes. I've been helping people buy homes for 20 some years. Uh, They supposedly own it. Some people even spend 30 years, 10 years, short-term loans, long-term loans, paying their home off to be able to say that I own it and you cannot take it from me. That is no longer the case. Let me give you another kind of out there analogy. I don't know if you've been involved with cryptocurrency or if you purchased anything on the blockchain, or if you're familiar with blockchain, but I'm gonna give you a very basic analogy of something that that I've dealt with, and that is a buying virtual land. Now, virtual land, virtual land is basically a non-fungible token on a blockchain represented in a metaverse. It's like you're buying virtual land. It is an actual NFT that resides on a blockchain that represents a actual geographic location above the real world. And why is why do you even care about this? Because my example of uh, security entitlement and what, what it really means can be defined as an experience that I've had recently or in the last couple of years buying virtual land. So let's say a couple of years ago, I wanted to buy virtual land that, like I said, was geographically pinned to real land. So I looked for waterfront property, actual waterfront locations in and around the United States, and I bought the virtual land above that. In looking forward, thinking about augmented reality and how that can be used on virtual land in a geographic location that is highly desirable, that's one of the reasons why I did it. So not to get off on a tangent, but the point is, Initially, I bought a bunch of virtual land on uh, a platform called OVR Land. 
And OVR land, when it was first launched, was on the Ethereum blockchain. And when you bought this virtual piece of land, which was an NFT, you didn't actually like own it, own it. It's basically like it was a security. You didn't own the actual physical or ability to transfer that NFT to, let's say, a hard wallet, like something that you actually have, like if you're a hard wallet is, there's hard wallets and soft wallets. I'm getting off on a tangent, but you're going to learn something through this process. A hard wallet is an actual physical device similar to a USB drive that you actually move NFTs to, detach that hard wallet from your computer and it resides, the control and ownership resides on that hard wallet. No one can take it from you. No one can swipe it off the centralized or cloud-based blockchain environment, right? So the idea is whatever you buy virtually in NFT, you can move to a hard wallet and you hold the keys, you hold the title, you hold the ownership. And I'm getting to my point. Initially on OVR land, I purchased hundreds of pieces of virtual land. And I was like, okay, I want to move this to my hard wallet because I want to make sure that if anything ever happens to, you know, the the Ethereum blockchain, if anything ever happens to the platform OVR land or anything ever like, you know, people break into it, security I want to be able to make sure that I have that I own the keys and I have locked it into my hard wallet. Well, I couldn't do that because initially all this virtual land was sold with something called light minting. And light minting was Ethereum was so expensive to actually mint an NFT and have you get ownership of that to be able to transfer it to a hard wallet. And so they they created something called light minting. And I equate light minting to security entitlement because light minting was I bought it through the platform of OVR land. It said it was mine in my wallet, but it was light minted on Ethereum, meaning I had the I had the rights to this piece of land, but I didn't actually own it even though I paid in full. I didn't actually own it because it was too expensive at that time to fully mint it on the Ethereum blockchain. It was hundreds or thousands of dollars you know, depending on what time of day. So they created something called light minting, which I consider that a security entitlement. The actual owner of that is whoever gave the OVR platform, whoever funded the OVR platform and allowed them to create the virtual land and sell it to me, still technically own that until I could truly hard mint, uh, until I could truly mint it and then claim full ownership. And we didn't we weren't able to do that any of us hundreds of thousands of pieces of virtual land. We weren't able to do that because like I said it was too expensive at the time and the gas fees and the cost of minting it fully on the Ethereum blockchain was just not possible. And so over time within a year or so OVR land actually migrated all of their virtual land on a that was light minted on Ethereum which gave you the illusion of ownership, but not full ownership, right? Who really owned it? Did OVR land own it? No. The people above beyond who invested, who gave the OVR land platform the money to make the virtual land had this contract that truly they really owned it. 
until because you didn't have full ownership. You know, because at any point, it could disappear. It could be taken from me. There's something there. I paid actual money. I paid my actual hard-earned cash to buy it. It sat in a virtual wallet, like money sits in our virtual banks. But I didn't actually have ownership. It was light-minted. It was, it was like, it was like a, a virtual entitlement to that land. But it wasn't mine. And so over time, to, to sum up this analogy... Over time, OVR land, the platform, I don't know for whatever, you know, background reason, but probably because people just literally couldn't actually sell it because you, at the point of, let's say I bought 100 pieces of virtual land and I wanted to sell it to someone, trade or whatever. In order to do that, you had to pay the actual gas fees on Ethereum to do the selling of that asset because that meant you have to actually mint it fully, claim ownership, then sell it. And what they did was they migrated all of the virtual land over to another blockchain called Polygon, which literally cost cents, like just a couple cents to mint fully versus hundreds or thousands of dollars of gas fees on Ethereum to mint fully. So they migrated all of everyone's virtual land for free over to Polygon. And at some point in the now or future, you can either go mint everything fully on Polygon for like practically nothing, or you can do what's called a batch mint of all your land you own so you actually can own it, and then you can transfer it to your hard wallet. And in reality, in reality, even then, if OVR land platform, okay, meaning in this analogy, the bank, if they were to just disappear go insolvent, go bankrupt, take down the platform. I don't, where would you have it? Where would you, where would you use that? I mean, it's okay. You moved it to your hard wallet. You essentially now actually own it, but do you really own it? Because like, where are you going to use it? Like, where are you going to use it on? So, I mean, this analogy just like hit me when I was reading through and understanding security entitlement. And it was very similar to the idea of light minting light minting where I never fully owned it, but then all of a sudden you did fully own it. But then even in full ownership, you don't really, because if the platform disappears, so does that, because how are you going to use it, right? It's just, it's never fully independent from the source. And so this is what's actually happening and has happened to property rights and property ownership. You think you own the rights to your property, the security that you purchased and have title to. So why would the higher government entities, central banks, Federal Reserve, and all that, why would they change from giving you full ownership to making it law that no one actually does own and that they have this security entitlement, they have the right to claim if they go insolvent, any underlying asset. The reason is because the banks in this case needed to be able to provide more collateral in order to borrow more money. And so eventually it just started like this hand reaching into things that people owned, even people who owned them outright. Everything that was ever bought and ever owned, even though you have title, started like melting into this pool of collateral the banks would use to then get more money, which is all great until the bank goes bankrupt 
and then the account provider, i.e. the people who gave the banks money, the bank goes in default and the contractual claim to take any asset that bank uses as collateral, which means even the places that you purchased in cash, stand in line to receive their assets back. They receive, they take back their assets. If the banks go bank with people above the bank, the organizations, the governments, the, uh, the market, the market movers, the people that sometimes can't even be defined because it's like the money, like the government, they take back the assets. I hope that how I explained <laughs> security entitlement is not confusing to you. There is a thing called segregated securities, which is basically where sophisticated investors, affluent, high net worth, ultra high net worth individuals, they assume that they're protected because they think that segregated securities are not in the, the big pool of assets. Unsegregated and segregated securities are all held in the same pool. So what do we do? Well, that is for our next podcast. And this is not meant as a scare tactic. This is not a fear mongering. This is information. If I don't share this information, if you don't hear this information, you will be just naively blown away and wondering why in the heck things are happening the way they're happening, how they're laid out to happen. Thanks for listening. And I will see you guys in the next podcast or on my YouTube channel. Connect with me, subscribe, and say hi. It's all about